Welcome back to the Institute of Higher Earning podcast. Today we have a special guest, a good friend of mine, takes amazing bathroom selfies, a real estate investor out of Fort Worth, Texas, which is kind of like Dallas, but way lower on the spectrum of like where you actually want to live and be from, but it's okay. We don't judge him too much. My good friend, John Jackson, we've known each other quite a few years, and I'm actually really excited to have him on the podcast because I don't know much about this guy. I'm not even sure if he's ever done a deal. So we're gonna go into it and talk all about all the important stuff in real estate. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for Which coming. Which camera am I looking at? That one? <laughs> Any you want. This one's got the real sweet shot. Yeah. I didn't even I know, know you had. There's a little cleavage on here. How many horses do you have? So my, my, so my, it wasn't even my place. I just, oh, I was stealing some shit on this ranch and the horses were. <laughs> no, I literally, I was like, damn, he's a rancher too? Just add it to the list. Um, Anytime people live in Fort Worth, I just assume they have yeah. land. My, wife has, a, shit out my wife has a horse. She does fox hunting. Um, and your wife's from Argentina, right? She's from Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Okay. So she's got a horse. It's a big old draft horse, and she does fox hunting. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, my God, you know, the poor fox, the poor fox or whatever. You know, it's, they don't suffer long. Yeah. Um, you know they but, outlawed that in England? Couple fox years, hunting? Yeah, about no, 15 years ago. No, they totally did. Now, they still do it. But they actually, like, the, um, they passed the law. They outlawed fox hunting to actually kill the fox. They can oh, still chase yeah. the fox, okay, but yeah. they can't, well, like, kill the, the fox. The thing is, it's there's really normally weird. not a fox. Oh. It's normally either a, a coyote or they have to dr drop scent. It's just getting the dogs out mm -hmm. and barking and running and stuff. Or the... Is there, is there a seven-second delay on this? Oh, uh, you're allowed to cuss. It's okay. Uh, we do some editing. <laughs> Nothing's live. Anything you want to talk about, we can edit later, too. Uh, so don't worry about that. No, because no, I know you fuckers are going to use everything I say against me. Oh, for 100%. Anyway, 100%. Uh, the place where she keeps it, uh, friends of our friends of ours, and they've got, I don't know, eight or nine horses and 80 acres. And <clears throat> it gets cold like this. you got to go out and break the ice where the horses can't drink. Break the ice in the troughs. And yeah. So we do that in the morning and the afternoon, so... I was out there doing that. Well, Dallas seems to be getting a, a freeze like once a year. So, what do you think? What are your thoughts on global warming? Is it actually a serious global concern is, is the for mankind? Scam, is the biggest scam. Um, there's a great video by the guy who founded the Weather Channel. I saw that video. He talks about what a big scam it is. At the end of the day, it's about. Do you know the name of it? Just wondering. I haven't seen uh, it. It's, I don't know. I'll look into it. At the end of the day, it's about controlling people. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all it is. So what you're saying is, in addition to a real estate investor, mediocre educator, you're also a conspiracy theorist wearing a tinfoil hat. Do you know who came up with the term conspiracy theorists? Probably yes. the FBI. The CIA? Uh, I was going to say it probably more of the letter. It came up, uh, it began after JFK, who the CIA also with. Allegedly. Uh, it hasn't been verified. Uh, you know, that reminds me of my favorite joke. What did, uh, what did LBJ do? Ten seconds before Kennedy was shot. Duck. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My right. favorite joke is about the horny little mouse going through the forest. <clears throat> well, I better tell that one, though. Horny little mouse going through the forest. He sees Mr. Giraffe there, and he says, Mr. Giraffe, I'm just a horny little mouse. I just, I got to get some pussy. If it, please just let me cl climb up your leg. You'll never know. And she's like, get out of here, little pervert. So horny little mouse scampers along. See, Miss, Miss Rhinoceros, Miss Rhinoceros, I'm just a horny little mouse. Please, I just got to get some pussy. <clears throat> Miss Rhinoceros says, get out of here and kick some away. Horny little mouse scampers along, sees Miss Elephant. Miss Elephant, I'm just a horny little mouse. Please, I just got to get some pussy. I can just crawl up your legs. You'll never even know I'm back there. 
Miss Elephant, your big old trunk, looks around. She goes, okay. Little mouth scampers up. He's going to <coughs> going to town back there. Miss Elephant starts walking along. And she's not paying attention where she's going. And she slams right into this big old palm tree. Palm tree, big coconut. So boom, with her head. Well, this coconut way up. Boom, falls on Miss Elephant's head. And she lets out this big roar. Little mouse goes, suffer, bitch, suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying uh, to see where that was going. I, I was hoping that wasn't going to take too much longer. Uh, all right. So, so, so let's get into real estate a little right. bit. You're from, you're from Fort Worth, So right? I'm from Fort Worth, and people from Fort Worth don't like Dallas. Uh, the feeling is mutual. The, I don't know what it is. The Dallas, it's the traffic, it's the roads, it's the people. Dallas has a different vibe, different energy. Um, Fort Worth <clears throat> is, for the most part, more laid back, easy going. Um, uh, how, many, how many standard deviations to the left would you say the average IQ is in Fort Worth? Well, look, I, I didn't, I'm not really a college graduate, so <laughs> I don't know what standard or a deviation is. <laughs> but I, I, don't. I will say that the, I would, it feels like 90% of everybody that migrates to DFW just goes to Dallas, right? If you go to Fort Worth, it's very old. It's very stuck in its ways, right? Uh, not a lot of new blood feels like it's there. So I will say that's one thing that is different. When you come here, it's just a fucking mixing pot, right? People in Fort Worth, <clears throat> when they, they'll come to Dallas to eat, and they just want to get the hell back. It's quieter. It's, it's just, it's, a, yeah, it's more like that. I think the food tends to be actually better in Fort Worth. Like more, I, I think there's more like local small fun places, especially mm, if you know where to go. Pots. They've got yeah. like coffee shops, are really <clears throat> nice yeah. ones. In Dallas, there's definitely that, but you got to know like where to go. Fort Worth, I feel like it's a lot tougher to get like a bad meal out there. Mm. Now, if you go to okay. maybe casual dining, maybe not, I don't know. But, so real estate, talk a little bit about it. How'd you get into this game? So I got started in 2003. Beat me by three years, man. By three years, is that Yeah, right? three years, 06. 06. Well, I started in 03, and I was a day trader before that. <coughs> and um, wanted to get in real estate. And at the time in 03, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff out there about real estate. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, Bigger Pockets, I don't even think was around yet until oh, yeah. 07, and 08, 09, something like that. Bigger Pockets I bought my first deal off of Craigslist. Did you really? I did. Craigslist is still alive. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that <clears throat> until I was yeah, it's on a night the other night. You know, they still have a uh, man-seeking farm animal. I was uh, wondering section, what section so you were in. Yeah, that's yeah. how I met my <laughs> wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Men-seeking men trannies. Man-seeking trans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're not sure which one's which. Uh, my car wasn't working, so I needed transmission. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what so Somehow I here. stumbled down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I, I nearly choked when I saw the results. So, 03. <laughs> what? 03, got into real estate. Yeah, I got into real estate, got, and I went head first into lease options because it didn't require money, no risk, no rehab, no, no bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, How did you discover lease options? So... Um, do you have a mentor or? No, and I, uh, that's one of the things, you know, everybody should get a mentor. I don't care what, if you're doing real estate or, or whatever it is, get a mentor. Um, <clears throat> I read a book called One Minute Millionaire by Robert Allen, and, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, it's two books in one. And they talk about some different, a little bit of real some estate strategies, stuff, but it's, yeah. not de it's not about mm -hmm. you know, how to make money in real estate, but it's about uh, um, him and Mark Victor Hansen wrote this. So Mark Victor Hansen is really, his part of the book is really about uh, motivation and mindset and stuff. Robert's interjecting with some real estate, <clears throat> some, some real estate stuff. Other part of the book is a fictional story about a lady, a single mom, uh, you know, uh, struggling financially. 
and she discovers real estate, she starts implementing the things that they're actually teaching the other side of the book. Yeah, so it's really interesting. That's kind of cool. So um, <clears throat> looking up real estate, saw lease options. I'm like, well, I know, I know what an option is because I trade options on the stock market. Mm -hmm. So that's what intrigued me. And uh, but at the time, they were used to rip people off. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, the idea of a lease option, I love that. But if you structure it properly, you can help a seller, help a buyer, and make money. And that's where leasing to buy was born uh, in 03. And so um, it started from there, had no clue what I was doing. Um, within a few months, I was just doing it full time and was just doing deal after deal. Um, started doing stuff for some of the home investor franchisees, mm -hmm. offloading their inventory. Um, <clears throat> and that really helped. Then we started, then I started. Um, targeting the MLS mm -hmm. with direct mail. So my living room looked like a, a mail house, you know? Well, I think I think at some point, I think almost every investor that dabbles in direct mail has to try doing it in-house mm -hmm. to realize how much they hate it yep. and how much it's worth paying the premium to the mail house Abs that actually sends it out. Absolutely, man. Because <laughs> Tommy and I, we tried that too. It's like, my God, this is a pain in the ass. I still got a printer and a, a We're trying paper folder of, that I can't get rid of, mm -hmm. right? Well, like, yeah. We used to, I used to do it, uh, as I remember, I would address everything by hand. My kids, who were little at the time, would put the stamps on the yeah, envelope. It's always a family operation. I don't, God knows what my, feel free to look at something else while I'm talking. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Home it. Depot's calling. What, you would Twitter, did, did, did Grindr ding, you know, ding your phone or uh, something? I'm in it's some, I'm in some uh, spy puts. I want to make sure I hit my target. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only I would get that. Um, uh, anyway, so did direct mail to MLS, and that's where it blew up, because now all these sellers are. At the time, we had, had no way to filter the data. Mm -hmm. I literally had to go to Realtor.com, print off, you know, whatever, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listings, mm -hmm. go to the tax record, cross-reference all this shit, print that off. It was just a, a mess. But I, you know, that's what blew me up. Um, and you're known pretty well in the space, like as far as anyone that asks anyone about lease options. They're asking someone that's going to refer them to you. Yeah, yeah I um, many many years ago, uh, a good friend of mine, Joe McCall, uh, coined he on a uh, on a forum on a thread. He said, "John's the king of lease options," <clears throat> and so uh, I just took that name and ran with it. But uh, yeah, cause that's my niche is lease yeah. options. We do other stuff, mm -hmm. seller finance subject too, but that's what I'm known for is, is lease options. So yeah. how'd you make the leap from? day trading because that's kind of a cool thing i think i think at some point a lot of people dabble in that too or do it professionally and then figure you know maybe it's worth doing that full time or maybe it's not worth it how'd you make the leap from day trading to uh real estate what was the kind of impetus for that yeah so i <clears throat> i was still trading and during the day so i was still trading as i was getting the real estate business going um i would uh i'd print off ads from buy owner because, I mean, there's no way to really advertise back then. Yeah, so I, I had to get creative. Which, by the way, for both people watching this <clears throat> podcast, um, creativity will beat recklessly use money anytime. One of the most important things you can have uh, in business and real estate is creativity. And so you gotta get, I had to get creative. And so I print off ads from buyowner.com, mm -hmm. uh, and I would cold call them. I did that for about two weeks, and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> Uh, and that's when I was driving for dollars. Didn't know there was a term for it. I was just, you know, driving around. Saw a house. Uh, but anyway, as far as the transition, 
um, it was really easy because I was trading. When you day trade, you know. Yeah, the market closes at three. The market closes at three, but there's also the doldrums. Yeah. So you don't most you don't want to trade. The doldrums is when the market goes flat. So basically, like let's say lunchtime. New York yeah. lunchtime yeah. to so Dallas time, it would be more or less 10.30 to 11-ish to, right right? to about 12.30 Dallas time. Yeah, it kind of so wakes up about 1.30 New York time, Yeah, so you don't want to trade there because it's too flat. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Uh, for day trading. So I would just go out during the day and uh, drive around. Uh, and once I did that first deal, which was then within two months for sure, that was 3500 bucks profit. Um, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but in 03. Well, a little know, different back, you know, back in 03. It was like, damn. Um, then did my next one right after that for about 4000 I think. It kind of cascades. Once yeah. you get in a groove, once you get... Once you do your... I yeah. think for new people, it's always about proving the trading, real estate, whatever. It's all about proving that, okay, this system actually works. And then, by the way, it works for me. And then I can tolerate doing it more than once because sometimes it just sucks. You don't want to do it. Like you said, cold calling, I haven't cold called since... 2006. Yeah, it's not. It's not for me. <clears throat> I don't. I don't. I don't um, and then once you once you have those things kind of lining up, it's like okay, well now I can maybe make this a bit of a business or at least a job, mm -hmm. and then kind of figure out where I'm at from there. Too many people, you know, they do they do the math. Oh, I can make a million dollars in the next 12 months if I do X Y Z. Well, maybe I don't want to do X Y Z. So you got to always constantly reevaluate. But that's actually, that, sorry, that, that's actually where people fail too, right? Because oh, for sure. they they get into it and they don't realize that it's going to take. A lot of a lot twos of and threes, right? right? It's going to have to take a lot of singles and doubles, right, to win the game. Not everybody thinks they want to get into real estate and do one deal and retire off it, and that's that's not a fucking well. And another thing that's too, a dream, right? That's not real. Another thing too that you kind of alluded to, you didn't say the catch term that riches are in the niches, mm -hmm. but you started off doing lease options and 2003 to now. Now obviously you've done other things. You uh, have yeah. the education product. You have some other stuff, but you're still known as the guy that does lease options. So there's a lot, of, in fact, you made a Facebook post about it, kind of picking on wholesalers. But there's a lot of people that do get the shiny object. Oh, I want to go try this and try yeah. that and try that. Where's the balancing act between having so, a core, you do this, and then, okay, I can also add this on as like a complementary thing to my, to my main thing. Yeah, so the, the shiny object syndrome uh, comes from a couple of different uh, areas, but where... It normally comes from from the newbie as they think there's an easier, better way. Mm -hmm. And so there's, no um, there's what's called the emotional cycle of change. Uh, I know nobody that follows you reads books, but there's Audible. Uh, <laughs> go get the 12-week year, <laughs> 12 year. Inside that is the emotional cycle of change. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this affects all of us. I don't care what level you play at. Once you start to break your comfort zone, the, the emotional cycle of change kicks in. And you start off with uninformed optimism. Mm -hmm. So someone buys my course, uh, right? And they're like, oh my God, I got John's course, blah, blah, blah. There you go, uninformed optimism. They don't know what they're about to get into. Right. Well, then they go through the course and uh, go through the videos, the training, whatever. And they go, oh, you mean I have to talk to sellers? Well, now that, if you're looking at it this way, uh, that curve starts going down. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, I don't teach cold calling, but maybe they make some cold calls, send 10 text messages, don't get a deal, but you're not going to. Uh, and now they've got informed pessimism. They're like, oh, I don't know this is going to be work. So normally at that point, uh, when they see somebody else pop up on Facebook, maybe it's land. Maybe oh, maybe it's I can whatever. try that. That's way easier than what I'm doing here. They go, oh, 
oh, that looks easier. Now they go by that course. What happens is you'll uninformed uh, optimism, uh, informed pessimism, and it goes down to the valley of despair. That valley of despair is what determines whether they're going to move forward and actually be successful with what they got. I don't care if it's land, apartment, mm -hmm. self-storage, whatever. Uh, that's where it's going to be determined. What happens is people, say by my course, go through that informed optimism, informed pessimism, down to the valley of despair. Then they see another course. Maybe it's Jack Bosch with land. Maybe it's uh, uh, Ted Thomas with uh, tax liens, whatever. And they buy that. Well, guess what happens? It starts all over again. Mm -hmm. Ooh, uninformed optimism. And it just starts over and over. So that's one of the things that really causes the, uh, 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 the shiny object syndrome. Another thing that causes the shiny object syndrome uh, is as entrepreneurs, we think differently. <laughs> and the greatest idea we ever had was the idea we just had. Mm. Like, oh my God, yeah. this is the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. You know? Write it down. And we get so excited about it, right? And, uh, and, and the truth is that a lot, most of our ideas um, are distractions. Most of our you know, business ideas are, yeah, it could be a good idea, but it's a distraction from what I'm on. Um, so you just got to stay on that path and say, hey, this idea I have isn't a bolt-on to what I have. So I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Last year, I was going to start a, a software um, uh, company for real estate using uh, data that we have access to, fitting it into go high level, blah, 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 do this whole thing. And I was really excited about it uh, because, of uh, because of recurring income, mm -hmm. right? Well, the truth is, as I was getting closer and closer to pull the trigger, um, there was already a platform out there using that data. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, man, this is a distraction. And I would need about three, three or 400 people to use this platform. Just to make break the, even? To make it worth my while, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, on the recurring. And I was like, man, this is going to be, I, if I pull the trigger on this, this now is my job. Mm -hmm. So all the, all the real estate info product coaching, that's on the side. And now this is my job. And it's going to take six, seven, eight months. Well, it would probably take a year to get this ramped up to where it would even come close to mm -hmm. replacing this. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So it could be a great idea. But is it a distraction or not? You know, does it take away from this? And does it take away from the time that you have to spend on it? <laughs> no, I, th I think that's important. And one word that I want to kind of touch on really quick is entrepreneur. I think a lot of small business owners, especially in this space, and in a lot of spaces, think they're an entrepreneur, when realistically they'd be better being just a small business owner. It's yeah. not as sexy, it's not as interesting, but I like to say even in our business, we're not trying to be revolutionary. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not trying to do anything spectacular. We're trying to do a lot of things a little bit better than all the competition or most of the competition, and that sets us apart in the marketplace. But wholesaling, not new. Flipping, not new. Wholetailing, we started doing it earlier than a lot of people, but there wasn't really a name for it, but mm -hmm. still not new. Um, but we're trying to market better, we're trying to negotiate better, we're trying to buy better, we're trying to sell better by doing these things, but it's still under real estate. Where I notice we get in trouble is every time we pick up, like you said, a distraction. Um, I'm going to go start something like a retail store. That's a horrible idea. I don't know shit about retail. I don't know anything about I can do math on margins, but I don't know what that actually means to sell a product over and over and over again. Um, maybe we play in education. And education is a great bolt on a lot of real estate people do that makes a lot of money. And for us, it, it works well. For you, it works well, too. So it's, it actually is a complimentary mm -hmm. bolt-on. But too many people, oh, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I said, well, m maybe you're just a real estate investor that has a business with employees that makes 
pretty good money. Mm -hmm. And that's always, that's always at odds with the shiny object thing, with the despair thing, because we always think, as you said, thinking even small business ownership mindset-wise or entrepreneurial-wise, we're always thinking about like, okay, how can we optimize efficiencies? How can we do things better? And it's gonna make us look at other things. But like, like they say, like Sebastian says, the seaweed's always greener, some, someone else's lake, and unless you're swimming over there, sometimes you don't even know how good you actually have it where you are. Yeah. Did you just fucking quote The Little Mermaid? Off the cuff. I had to the think cuff. of, I was like, Sebastian, what the fuck? Seaweed. Uh, Little Mermaid. Off the cuff. So we, we always I, I, I we Bible use, uh, Do you want me to do a Bible verse? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've got, I got a Bible, verse. Some World I got War II Bible verse for you. <laughs> I got a Bible verse for you. Austin 316. This, this, this hit me hard when I was in uh, rehab. Um, uh, Proverbs 2611 is... As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly. Well, trying something over and over again that doesn't work. Yep. It's called insanity, right? Yep. Someone said that. That's the dog returning to the vomit. <laughs> so we, we, you know, you talked about your, you know, the cycle from 12 weeks. Uh, we always talk about in the, uh, the hero's journey, right? Same, mm -hmm. same type of pattern, yeah. right? So when you get to the, the bottom, that despair, right? How do you... How do you, make How do you help them, right? Because yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the pain in the ass, right? Thing you can always leave them to water, but at the end of time, I think you're just so, ready to fucking I think, drown there, I think there's two questions to that. And too, there's, because there's so many different things. I think right? there's two questions in that. Maybe is one as an educator, how do you help the people that you know you're beholden to trying to help a little bit? And then also when you're in that space yourself, because I think we've all been there. Oh yeah. How do you not say, you know what, this is, is actually a lot more work than I thought it was going to be? It's maybe not as feasible. Like when do you say, okay, this is a bad idea? Uh, let's ditch that and let's actually try something that has a higher probability of success for lower effort. Well, going back to um, we're in the valley of despair. So I've got a coach that works for me. He's phenomenal. Uh, oh, yeah, he pulled it up right there. <clears throat> the emotional cycle of change. Yeah, we'll put it on the screen. Um, he, coaches, you know, he coaches my students. Um, I find myself, uh, it's not uncommon for me to do one-on-ones with my student where they're having a struggle. And normally that struggle is in their head. And so they've, they've gotten down to this valley of despair. <clears throat> and it comes out of psychology and what they're telling themselves, you know, the story that they're telling them, themselves. And we all, we all hit this you know, wall where we've, you know, shit's going wrong, it's not working. I had it happen in 2022. And then uh, again last year. And for me, uh, I had to, uh, I reached out to people that, you know, the, a great book is Who Not How. Mm -hmm. So I had to reach out to other people saying, hey, here's what I've got, gotten to, here's the wall I've hit, and, and see what their input is. So um, I'm part of a phenomenal, phenomenal mastermind. There's 15 of us, and these are all very, very high players in the, in the real estate space, a um, couple in the info coaching space. Who'd you have to bribe to get in? They don't even know I go. He <laughs> <laughs> just shows up. But to be able to share, hey, here's the shit I'm facing, mm -hmm. what, you know, and, and getting their input. Uh, there's a saying, uh, when you're so deep in the weeds, you can't see the snakes. Mm -hmm. So you need someone flying above to say, hey, here's, you know, uh, here's what's going on. Um, and so we all hit those times at some point. You know, maybe it's, uh, maybe with you all, it's uh, <clears throat> something's happened where the, there's a bottleneck on the uh, on the acquisition side, or you can't get them for what you're trying to get them for. You know, and, uh, and that goes on long enough, mm -hmm. and it starts affecting everyone's you know psyche. But uh, 
I think you have to go through the valley of despair so that, you know, when you're successful, you know it wasn't luck, yeah. right? That there's a, you had to go through that. So there's a whole story about the, the emperor moth, which I won't tell on here because it's too long and I got shit to do. <coughs> but at the end of the day, you've got to go, you've, you've got to fight through that cocoon uh, in order to wipe the moisture off your wings so you can fly. So when I look at the, in 2022, when I had a massive bottleneck with the uh, with the info and coaching space, by I hired all the right people, you know, and they almost bankrupt the whole company. Um, well, I learned a lot from that, uh, and so that this time around, I was very methodical, saying, "Okay, I'm not. Am I going to go that road? Am I going to go that road?" Brought on the right team that I knew. Okay, this is what this is the right answer, um, but. Uh, you know, the thing is, is, thank God what I did by bringing those people on didn't work. Because if it would have worked, I would have tried to scale it. Mm -hmm. And I would have been scaling chaos, but not knowing it. Going, look at me, I'm a genius. Wow, we cracked the code, you know. And uh, and, if, and when it collapsed, it would have been even worse than, than it was. That's what we see a lot of the time in the space, too, with the shiny object stuff. With, you know, people that want to be influencers and real estate investors and educators and, you know, just line it up is... They have success in all those a little bit. And then, like you said, they maybe have a little bit too much success where everything is working because it's really easy and we're in an upward trending market. And then, oop, there's a blip in the market or there's a blip in the education space or the market dynamics should simply change. And you're not, or you're not able to stay on top of your actual like core business as well as you thought you were. And it can, it can cascade. Yeah. So it's, it's really important to, I like to say, stay with your core competencies, make sure what you're doing is added onto that and like works in symmetry with that. Otherwise, like you said, you can scale chaos, and scaling chaos is a lot of fun when it all works, but it is absolute it'll, it'll collapse. pandemonium <clears throat> it'll when collapse. it collapses. Yeah, you got to have that foundation. Unwinding right. something is 10 times harder mm. and more damaging, right, to your psyche than trying to build something and failing, right? Like mm -hmm. having to fire people, like, that's fucking miserable. Oh, Nobody yeah. wants to do that. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of people, tell us a little bit about your team. So, you, so, it's, so it's just three of us. Uh-huh. Um, so there was a time back in probably 20, 2010 or uh, 2010 or so <clears throat> where it was me, a uh, business partner, my assistant, um, and we had, I think, nine or ten what we called reps. So I live in Fort Worth. And so I was heavy in the, I was just starting in the coaching space, but I was just one-on-one -on -one basically. So I'm still heavy in real estate. So we would have reps uh, where um, we would get a house in Dallas. Well, then I had a, a Dallas rep. Um, and they would go see the house, go meet the seller and all mm -hmm. that. So I never met the seller, never talked to the, well, I talked to the seller because I put the contract together. Never met the seller, never, never, met the, never talked to the buyer, mm -hmm. uh, never saw the house or anything. And my rep would do it. So at one point we had nine or ten reps just in DFW. Like we were we were doing so many deals, lease option deals, yeah. where um, I would target like a specific zip code uh, with my direct mail, and we'd get boom, lots of houses. And so I had to have a rep for like two or three zip codes because we had so many deals we were we were cranking out. But now <clears throat> it's just me, my coach. And my sister, who's my uh, my assistant, she does all the customer support for the students, and that's it. And that's you still doing direct mail, or so I haven't done direct mail in a long time. What's interesting is is uh, this week uh, I'm actually going to do direct mail to Tarrant County. 
Yes. Not Dallas County because I don't want to drive to Dallas County. That's understandable. <coughs> but I'll do it to, uh, to Derek. So why I do it direct, and we're all over the map here. When we do direct, because we don't have to do direct mail anymore because uh, we've got a platform that will just click a button, it'll scrape FISBOs, yeah. uh, expires, and click another button, boom, there's text messages, and now. Um, but when we do direct mail, we target MLS over 30, 60, or 90. Um, and so the response rate is very high. But we do like 800 pieces, mm -hmm. and we'll get whatever, you know, two, three, four deals out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and we have specific direct mail pieces too. Yeah. Well, because you're able to offer them a product that they might need but haven't really heard of being on the MLS or even thought about. And we do the same thing in our business where we're not, we obviously have a catered exit strategy we think will work well for a specific property. But we're not trying to give the seller all the different potential options because 80% of the options don't make any sense for the seller. So we're really trying to match, for, on our side anyhow, a seller um, need with an option for an exit strategy for us that works for everyone. So for you, for example, if you're doing, you're doing lease options, they don't probably know much about that, but it might be something that actually works really well for them mm -hmm. because they have a higher urgency, but also a higher price point that they want for the property. Yeah, so I say be the real estate doctor. So when we're talking to, when we're talking to sellers, I'm not asking about how many bedroom and bath, and all that. I don't give a shit. Um, I wanna know the story. What's going on? Um, why are you trying to sell this beautiful home? Have you already moved? How soon do you need to move? Mm -hmm. Where are you moving to? Um, which, by the way, side note, one of the things, people get so nervous talking about sellers, one of the, uh, one of the things you wanna do when talking to sellers uh, is build commonality, find that commonality. We all do it subconsciously, whether we realize it or not. If we're at a, a party or a gathering, we don't know anybody, and someone comes up and talks to us, as we're talking, we're actually, both people are looking for commonality. So we go, oh, you, you know, uh, you live in Abilene? Oh, do you know this restaurant, you know, Pyrene, you know, Pyrene Ranch or whatever? You know, you're trying to find this commonality. You, for example, you and I always do bathroom selfies whenever we, we see each other. Yes. This is the first time we've been in Dallas together for probably almost eight or nine months. Uh, so we'll have to get a bathroom selfie after we'll, this. So we'll, we'll have something to remember it by. Yes. We'll finish up the podcast in the shitter. It'll be great. Okay, <laughs> can you bring these cameras in? Can you, uh, Tommy's a which one's most fit. mobile? They're, they're all good. All right. Yeah, we need some video footage of us in the bathroom. <coughs> um, anyway, so you want to find commonality. But yeah. as you're having that conversation with the seller, um, uh, we're saying, well, based on what you're telling me, we've got a couple, a few different programs, what you're telling, based on what you're telling me, I think our lease purchase program would be best because you're going to get full price, no commission, cash flow, and you'll mm -hmm. be cashed out in 10 to 12 months. And I can send you some information about that, what the numbers look like. Or it may be based on what they're telling us and by looking at the property online, you know, hey, we've got a few different programs, we can do a lease purchase, kind of here's what that would, might look like. Or I'm looking at your house, I think seller finance would be a great way to go. I can send you some numbers on that. You're going to make double your money. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's all through education and, yeah. and building rapport so, with them. And, and, yeah, so you're right, the prescription, yeah. and it's not your job to make them take the prescription. You just give them the prescription, uh, and they may or may not take it, you know. But um, well, that's, a, that's a similar way to how we train our <coughs> negotiations team on both acquisitions and dispo. Obviously, different, Activism. different, you know, for the team, for which side they're on or whatever. But very much same as you. Like, we don't care how many bathrooms it has. We don't care how many bedrooms it has. Okay. There's not a single piece of property that I know of anywhere in the U.S. that isn't worth something at some price. Mm. Yeah, there might be something somewhere. I don't know. But for a dollar, you know, I'll buy something and sell it for five bucks. Um, probably not worth the effort, but it's worth it for the dollar.
So same thing. We're not qualifying the property. We don't care when the roof was. We don't care when the bathrooms were redone. We'll verify all that stuff. Now we don't do lease options, but we do all the other exit strategies basically. Well, we have a couple lease options. Um, but it's very much about, okay, seller, what are, what's your circumstance? What do you need? What's, uh, tell, me, tell me about yourself, tell me about the situation, and not as you know, direct as that, but that's how the conversation progresses. Like you said, your brother calls it active listening, where that's how we cater both our, our negotiation strategy and our offering to the seller to make it so it is beneficial for the seller. And often we'll come up when, in fact, we have one right now, uh, we're doing a sub two in Palestine? Palestine. 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 Um, we were up against someone else that was pitching them a sub too. And they were just so crap at explaining the situation that they messed up the whole deal. So we come in with the, the seller side of negotiation, talking about the seller, about the process, about the benefits to them. And because in our estimation, a sub two made the most sense. It was a property with you know, not a lot of equity, with still cash flow, and they just wanted out. Well, that's perfect for us for a sub two. Mm -hmm. But if you don't explain it right, then the seller A is confused, and B is going to lose trust in your ability to actually perform if you can't even explain it right. Yeah. I think yeah. as real estate investors, we like to, well, yeah, you came out for the novation talk that I did, but we come out here as real estate investors wanting to show how smart we are and saying, oh, Mr. Seller, have you heard of a novation strategy? Because yeah. <laughs> I think this is the perfect strategy <clears throat> for your house. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how smart I am by telling you all the complicated details about how to do this exactly, how to do it. As opposed to, so what am I doing? I'm, I'm scaring off the seller. No, I haven't heard of that shit. I don't want to think about that. That yeah. sounds scary. Uh, same thing potentially with a lease option or a sub too. Versus the other way of approaching a negotiation strategy is, hey, Mr. Seller, based on your circumstances, I think we have an option that works really well for you. And here's how this option, you told me you want to get XYZ as your objective. And here's how this option is the most straight, in my opinion, the most straightforward path to getting you X, Y, Z. Here's the benefits to this potential option for you. Now we're talking options again. Mm -hmm. And then here's, you know, and here's some of the drawbacks because not everything is, there's always some give and take in the situation. But if you're, accept, if you're agreeable to these drawbacks on the situation, then this seems like a good option. What do you think? And that, that's so much more, A, passive, because now we're not adversarial with the seller but it's also much more on their team and in their court in terms of helping them achieve their objective. The sellers always have an objective that they want. Um, how do we get them to the objective while making sure that we're still profitable and doing things the right way on our side? That's where we bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. um, so with what I do, I never try to, uh, going back to my you know, people talking to sellers, they get nervous talking to sellers because they're focused on the money and not the seller and their, and their problem. Uh, you know, if you're at, if you're at the doctor's office sitting on the on the little table, and the doctor walks in all nervous, but oh my God, I hope I don't mess this up because I really want that new BMW. You know, <laughs> well you're gonna go, whoa, what the hell? Um, but so I never try to sell them anything. I just say, here's what I got. You know, um, here's what we do. So I use the analogy of uh, enchiladas and fajitas. So the seller wants enchiladas in our case because most of our houses are already for sale, sell by owner, or they're expired listings. So take it for sale by owner. They want enchiladas. So they want rice, beans, beef enchiladas. They put their sign in the yard for sale by owner. They think, oh, I'm going to get this. You know, I know what this house is worth. I'm gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go in no time. Well, a month goes by, two months goes by. They don't have any enchiladas. They're getting hungrier. Mm -hmm. I simply come along and say, hey, Mr. Seller, I know you want enchiladas. That's great. I have fajitas. I got rice, beans, beef fajitas, chicken fajitas. Um, and, and I tell them, now look, you can still try to get enchiladas. At the same time, then I'm bringing fajitas. <clears throat> Fajitas are fucking good too. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right like, now, they may not take the fajitas. That's not my job to make them eat. But, but a lot of times that seller doesn't eat. For, doesn't, those mm -hmm. enchiladas aren't coming for a few more weeks. They'll call them up and go, "Hey, tell me more about those fajitas." 
Right. Um, and so we just, you know, explain what we do. We're not here to sell them anything. It's just we're here to help. Well, that's another good point, too, is long-term long follow-up is a phrase that everyone likes to use, but they don't really understand what it means. It means listening to the seller. It means offering them the fajitas and then listening to them again when they come back, you know, even a month later, two months later. I think our record is, we're actually pretty fast on our turnaround time, but we've had deals that take six to nine months to close mm -hmm. because we're constantly listening to what they need, constantly helping them out with something that they need help with. And then is there a guaranteed payout at the end of that? Of course not. But if we're doing enough volume of that stuff, then we pick up you know, deals that we wouldn't have picked up otherwise. Everyone loves the one call close. Oh, Mr. Seller, it yeah, yeah. turns out you want fajitas, <laughs> I got fajitas. Man, let's, let's go to a barbecue and have some fajitas. All right, cool, I'll send you the contract, boom. Just made 30K. I'd, I'd love to deal with those deals all day long. But the reality is I think you have to do the long term. You have to do kind of the crappy stuff mm -hmm. in order to get to the easy layup deals. Yeah. We started this conversation off by you talking about what you market to, right? And uh, it's pretty much you saying, hey, I know my avatar really well, and I'm going, my marketing is directed to, straight to them, right? So you having the avatar pinned down, uh, it just has such an advantage to it, where a lot of times people want to get into real estate, they don't understand that, right? They just want to go drive for dollars. They don't realize that your avatar, you have to understand who you're, dealing with, right? What their pain points are and what their needs are, right? So, and so how you can solve their problems. Uh, if you're going into it broad, broadly, you're just going to fucking get your shit. Yeah, you got to know your avatar of your seller so you know, because in marketing, the, the, the three things in marketing, <coughs> specifically direct mail, but the three things in marketing is the list, the message, and the frequency. Well, the list determines the message. So who's your list? In my case, it's pretty houses, normally above a quarter million dollars. So that boom, there you go. There's my list for subowner, uh, listed or even expired. Then that determines your message because I'm not going to send a uh, you know. You're not going to send a pre-foreclosure postcard. Yeah, I'm not going to send a pre-foreclosure <laughs> postcard to a you know two million dollar home yeah, or right. some, We buy ugly. We buy shit mm -hmm. boxes to a two million dollar home. Yeah. And then the frequency is especially with direct mail is that frequency you've got to do it you buy it, you got to be consistent don't do one mailing or well that didn't work mm -hmm. you got to do it every three or four weeks every three or four weeks every three or four weeks how long do you run a mail campaign before you tweak it or shut it down or i'll i'll change from a trifold brochure to a postcard okay we've got a street view postcard we use and we can manipulate the verbiage on it but we have a very powerful trifold brochure that we've used for years and it's just it's just a beast it just has worked for years but um, we'll that make comes that adjustment. Huh? The trifold comes mailed? <clears throat> in the mail. Okay. Yeah. In an envelope or just how's that package? It's got like a sticky line on the top. And oh, okay. Like they put, like they put yeah. two tabs on oh, I used yeah, to do all that by hand. I used yeah, to order yeah. them from anyway, overnight prints. I would do the yeah. whole thing by something. But no. Uh, we all like trying something the hard way to figure out. Yeah. Once you hit that pit of despair, it's like, man, I really hate writing addresses on letters. Uh -huh. Then maybe we figure out, okay, maybe there is an easier way to do yeah. this thing. That's Well, that's <laughs> the... I, Never stop, right? Keep going. So make fine, make small tweaks and just keep going. Uh, don't change completely. Don't, like you said, don't go shiny object and find something completely different. Just make small tweaks, right? And keep refining your business. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want to, I know you got to get out of here, yada, 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 all that bullshit. But I want to know, you were, you said you're going to, you started to, about the new LLCs and stuff like that, right? The, the new laws and stuff like that. Um, I just want to touch base on it just for a minute, if you don't mind. Uh, can you explain what 
what came out? And no, that's why I'm bringing, I'm doing a, a live training right. today with the, with the people that set up our, all of our LLCs so they can tell all my followers. Oh, they're doing it for they're you. Doing, okay. I'm, I'll all be right. on it, okay. but I'll be asking right, questions right. as well because I'm not the expert on that. It, it is crazy because the, the change that I know of, right, is that they're doing um, the 1099s and W-2s. They're, they're hitting 1099s hard across the everybody. And then also you have to, if you're starting a new LLC, you have to, man, you have to pretty much send in a blood and stool sample. Yeah, you got to send your driver's license and mm -hmm. all kinds of shit. Yeah, they're going to have you by the balls. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. I don't know the regulations. Yeah. Um, so I'm bringing on the people that set up all of our LLCs. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. So I'll be asking yeah. a lot of questions as well. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you need an LLC, go to buyyourllc.com. <laughs> buyyourllc.com. You'll see a website come up. You'll see a video of me. By your LLC.com. Get a free 45 minute consultation. Uh, find out which LLC is right for you. Maybe it's a Wyoming one. Maybe it's a Texas. Maybe it's a Delaware. Buy your LLC. Depends on what you're doing with it. That's <laughs> my affiliate link. <clears throat> True story. So, what's, uh, where is it going forward? Because in business and entrepreneurship or whatever we're going to call it, there's always three steps forward, step and a half back, and then reevaluate. So, you mentioned your kind of revamping the education side. You're yeah, so I, re I started deals. revamping it last year with... Um, I noticed <clears> a big uptick with in the, uh, With how we approached it, because before I would just focus specifically on my email list. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing is where, you know, you've done something for a long time and suddenly it stops working and you start swinging shit against the wall to see what sticks. Oh, for sure. But when you get to that... And that costs a lot of money. And it costs a lot of money. Yeah. When you get to that phase, you know, when we're in the, again, we're deep in the weeds, we don't realize we're swinging shit against the wall and people go, wait a minute. What am I doing here? Let me step back. Um, <clears throat> so I brought on a company to help us revamp uh, some things, retool some things, approach it differently uh, with no agent in the with no agency. What I mean by that is um, there's agencies that create you know the Facebook ads, the mm -hmm. funnels, the low ticket offer, low ticket bump, uh, free book plus shipping, all this bullshit. You know, five day challenge. You know, whatever that shit. Uh, and the only people that there's some good agencies, but at the end of the day, the people that make money with agencies are the agencies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, us educators out there, you know, bleeding to death. So well, the, the agencies get paid regardless of whether or not. Yeah, they're going to get paid no matter That's what. That's my experience. <clears> hey, you'll make you know eight grand a month or whatever, plus your ad spend. So I'm on a different route, and it's just been uh, phenomenally. Nice. It's just been so much better, so much better. Um, and so, like, I'm excited about it again. You know, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've noticed that your your social media and all that has tick. I've said it to Tommy. I was like, I've noticed that your your speeches, not your speeches, but your posts, posts have just changed. So. so, for until October or November, I never posted about what the fuck. What the, mm -hmm. I think it's okay because I never posted about what I never posted about. Remember, not remember the elephant. I never posted about what I did. You know, I just you know I was on Facebook just to jack with people, but that changed when I brought this company. And so here's what you're going to do. They had a whole methodical, you know, game plan laid out, and so I, you know, I did it. I was like, holy shit! I didn't know people that follow me want to know what I did, you know? And there was a lot of people out there that wanted to start in real estate or were in real estate and wanted to add on what I do or mm -hmm. what the case may be. They always, so, they're yeah. interested at what's behind the curtain, right? Mm -hmm. They they know what you do. They know you do in uh, real estate. They know you do coaching and investing. 
but they don't know how to you know approach you on that mm -hmm. regard, right? So you kind of have to put them in your funnel yeah. for them, right? Like you, yeah. you have to dumb it down for them, right? Like, hey, this is what I do for a living. I do marketing. Just you know, comment, ping me, something like that, and it goes a long way. But fuck, I hate doing it. So I had to bring on a lady that um, I just brought on a setter that'll be inside my Facebook, um, going to the DMs because I could. could mm -hmm. I made a post. So using this methodology, I made a post a couple weeks ago. I don't know, and uh, I, it blew up. Mm -hmm. Two hundred comments. Uh, people wanting my, you know, some of my my shit for free that I was giving away. It was a text message. I I, man, I I commented message. on it, and you yeah. yeah, you replied to me. It's a very effective text mm -hmm. message we sent out. It's the most. It's simple, but it gets them engaged. You know, I couldn't keep up with it, and then Facebook shut. I couldn't use Messenger. They shut me they down. Shut they shut the Messenger down IPA. after a while. Yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> so, which told me, okay, hey, this works. Now I gotta revamp this mm -hmm. had to bring on a, a, a different software platform to, uh, to to deal with all these all these people brought on a lady uh, who can handle some of this for me um, but yeah it's it's going great yeah that's awesome and our, and our students oh my god uh, the success is phenomenal. I've got a guy in Tennessee who was doing subject two assignments mm -hmm. which I don't recommend uh, but he's a sharp guy ran a very ethical business Saw me on a podcast with Ron LeGrand, or a webinar with Ron LeGrand, and it was like, uh, holy shit, that seems really like what I should be doing. And we got a Zoom call, whatever, uh, showed him what I did, and he, we took his, or he took his business model, what he was doing, changed some of the pieces, some of the components, took what I was doing, integrated my system, and within a couple of months, had uh, if there are ten or twelve houses in our contract. These nice. are nice, you know, awesome. half a million dollar homes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and <coughs> so now, here come the applications. Now you know, starting to get you're ready to close some of these suckers. One of them is, uh, I'm going to post about this. One of his deals he's locking up is uh, one of the Houston Texan football players. Oh, cool. Very uh, cool. Yeah. He lives in Tennessee. But the point is, we've got uh, the success from the students is just. It was phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's always great, great too because it, it kind of revamps you and it fuels you, right? Like oh, as, yeah. a, as a mentor and coach, anytime anybody in our REIF just hits us up and says, hey, we just locked up this awesome deal, you know, you get fucking excited, right? Mm -hmm. I had nothing to do with that deal, but I get excited for them. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's awesome. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. Mm -hmm. I don't get excited going, oh, my God, it comes a deal. I'm like, no, it's, it's literally, it's, it requires no brain cells for me to, to, to do that. But to have a, a student do that, well, mm -hmm. now that's exciting. Yeah, that's that, exciting. That's yeah, that's what's gratifying about the business too. Because if the system out there, if all those guys' acquisitions, dispo, and leads are all working correctly, and they're cranking out deals, ideally, I don't know about a deal. So I only really hear about deals, at least in depth, if there's a problem. Mm -hmm. If there's title issues we can't clear, if there's you know errors that you can't find, or if we close on something, it's like, man, we probably shouldn't have closed on that. Well, now it becomes my problem. So for in kind of the same way, the deals that go really well, I don't hear shit about them. Uh, the ones that don't go well, you know, I hear all about them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now yeah. I have this negative feedback loop. It's like, man, I freaking hate doing deals because <laughs> every time I go to a deal, there's a problem. But like you were saying, it's so nice to see. Like we know the system works. We do it every day. We're in the weeds. We're fighting the snakes. Uh, but it's so nice when we get that positive affirmation from, you know, from a coaching student or from a client yeah. or from a mastermind member or even just a friend that we happen to help and say, hey, hey you know, I've tried, I tried what you said. 
it, it works. Well, yeah, I know it works. That's why I said it. But it's nice to hear from them, like, oh, it works for you too. That's cool. I like that. I had, I had a buddy from high school, a kid that I went to high school with, played football, all different sports. With. I haven't spoke to him in 15 years. And he hit me up out of nowhere, DM me on Facebook, and just sent me this long-ass dissertation and he was just thanking me for one of the podcasts that he sold me. I had no idea. I had to go back and watch it. But, like, apparently what I said resonated with him, and it was just nice. Uh, but hearing that from him, it's nice, right? Like, it was another thing, like, oh, shit, I can help people. I can, I can, yeah. <clears throat> I can help in other ways, right? Like, you know, we don't, we don't realize, we look at ourselves differently the way other people look at us. Um, so I just look at myself as just a regular dude, um, you know, the, Quick, quick, quick sense of humor and uh, beautiful, charming looks. You got but, more sayings than anything. But, That's all I know. But other people <laughs> will, will look at me differently, um, and put us on a pedestal that we don't put ourselves on. Uh, and so, um, so you know, there's there was a guy in Florida <clears throat> who was on my webinars, uh, and he's always just. You know, praise my name, saying, guys, do what John says, do it. And I don't know this guy. And then he had, uh, I don't know if he had texted or e emailed whatever with some questions, and I helped him. Well, it turns out he had my course. He got a house under contract and told me he got a house under contract. Hey, that's great. And uh, I said, no, go put some signs out there. Again, he's not my student. Mm -hmm. Well, he sent me a picture of the sign he put out there. It was the ugliest sign you've ever seen. I was like, did you make that? And he said something about, uh, I said, you should go, go to a sign maker. He said something about, I will, after I close this, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, something about I'm in my car right now. Something was odd. Well, then, uh, fast forward just a little bit. Um, we reconnected. He had uh, got another deal on a contract because he, he couldn't turn that first one, but he got another deal on a contract. Anyway, turns out he's homeless living in his car mm -hmm. in Florida with his wife. And had, so the question is, well, how did he get my course? I guess he got Social Security checks, and he used what money he had to buy my course. And so I was like, holy shit. So he's doing all this from his phone. So I bought him a computer and shipped it to uh, Florida nice. uh, for him. Now he's got a computer. Um, he's got another house under contract. And um, I'm trying to get that one across the finish line for him, because once he does that. But, um, and there was another gentleman that I, I saw at a, at a meetup group, and he stopped me and thanked me. He said, uh, thank you so much. He said, you, your stuff and your information uh, helped me. He said, I was you know, borderline homeless, and it helped me get into real estate, and now he's, he does pretty damn well. Well, we don't know these stories out there. No. You know, the people that were, that were affecting, people that were touching, that uh, 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 that we just don't know about, you know. Uh, so, at the end of the day, that kind of that makes it it's cool, yeah. and it makes it worthwhile. Not cool, like oh, look at me, I've got a big head, but like oh wow, yeah. something I'm producing is, is, has value to someone. I think it's I think it's almost humbling when yeah, when yeah. it comes back to us like that. The same mm. same kind of thing. I think it's almost more humbling yeah. than it is like I never get a big head. It's like oh wow, like it's it's reaffirming, mm -hmm. but again humbling, like oh. That's really amazing. That something that I said offhand, or some course that I put out, or something, 
in a podcast or whatever actually changed the trajectory in someone else's mm -hmm. life where now they can be a little more successful or maybe wildly successful because of that. Now they still have to do the work and they still have to take the steps. But I think, I think it's one of the most gratifying things about the business. Yeah. Because we do one more deal. As ideally, if we're doing enough deals, one more deal is not going to change our life one way or the other. Uh, it's going to keep the machine going, maybe. It's going to pay some salaries. But is it going to change our life? Well, I hope not, because then we're probably out of business, because we have to do a lot of deals yeah. to stay in business. Yeah. But for someone else that hasn't done a deal, that doesn't have a team, that doesn't have the proven systems, then the one deal can really be life-changing for them. And I think it's, it's part of what we just lose track of in the business. From negotiating with sellers, you know, they might sell two houses in a lifetime. So for them, that's really special. For someone just getting in, you, you know, you've never done your first deal until you've done it. And then the road just opens up in terms of what's, what's potential out there for you. And that's nice. We lose, we lose sight of that because we get so in the weeds just doing the business. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. And especially today, today's business being so social media focused, right? Um, it's so... It's difficult to stay humble, right? Like when when you're when you're sitting there and you're seeing everything around, like man, fucking, I don't. When you're when you're using it to market, right? All that stuff, like it, it you have to take a step back and just fucking. I wear a goddamn Casio, right? Like it, it's you have to force yourself to stay humble. Right? Well, it, the majority of what you see on social is, is bullshit, mm -hmm. and there's a saying is that um, desperation screams, inspiration whispers. And so a lot of times you see people posting pictures of the, the fucking car or a watch or a, uh, a plane or some bullshit. When I say a plane, I'm not talking like my friend Bill Allen who actually has a nice yeah. badass yeah, plane. Yeah, 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 There's yeah. an exception. I, I'm waiting to take a ride with him on that man, one. Man, uh, what a sweet ride. But, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's desperation. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, and so, and bec because of that, it was, to be honest, it was uncomfortably uncomfortable for me to begin this new marketing launch, a new push for the coaching, because now i got to talk about me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, I don't think I like that. But um, As long so as I, you don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Right. Because there so, are so people I, out there that you, because that's what, we, we don't want to become them, right? Like right. those yeah, that yeah. We, we sit there and we see their marketing and we see through it and we're like, ah, this guy's drinking his own fucking Kool-Aid, right? Like he thinks he's as badass as he says he is, but... I know I'm not, right? Marketing is just marketing, right? You're a goddamn rancher. So I'm a rancher, right? <laughs> uh, three thirty in the morning. But uh, so when I make posts, it's I, I try to. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. I really try to make it about the student, mm -hmm. you know, their success, what they're doing, uh, or Kevin, the, the gentleman in, uh, living in his car. You know, it's not about me. I'm the conduit. At the end of the day, I'm the conduit. Yeah. Uh, it's not about me. I'm just the conduit of information and this knowledge. And if you want it, here you go. I'm just the conduit, um, but um, uh, but yeah. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, a lot, most of what you see on social media is, you know, bullshit. The more someone's flaunting, the more they're hurting. Yeah. Even if and even if financially they're doing okay, the more they might be hurting internally, because they have these. I mean, rich guys, you know, blow their heads off. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of guys on social media too that need the validation from the other people to validate who they are as a person because of something psychologically deep down in them. Yeah, it, it's, and I know I gotta run here. We finally got to talk about something interesting and I gotta fucking go. <laughs> well, we'll have you back on the podcast. Uh, I was, uh, my good friend Brant Phillips has been posting a lot of really good stuff about men and some of the struggles we face internally and stuff. And he made one today and I, it made me think about how I think uh, uh, a lot of men live uh, 
he was talking about, it was a quote he had about, men, most men live in quiet desperation uh, because they're not fulfilling their, their, their lives and their dreams. But um, I think a lot of men live quietly in desperation because they're always fighting for validation, uh, which could be back to, you know, last, late last year, through a series of events, I realized, holy shit, I lack self-love and self-worth and it went back to wanting validation from my dad that I wasn't close with. Mm. I was always trying to crack that code of how do I win your love, mm. you know? Uh, and it's weird how we carry that even through our, you know, through our adulthood. And you'll see some of that on social media when they're wanting validation, mm -hmm. right? Um, from other people and it's what, uh, you know, it's what they crave. I've got 60 seconds and I gotta go. Well, tell us about your, uh, about where they can find you, about how they yeah, can, you can find get out, a hold of you. I don't go to Instagram a lot, my, my, my VA does. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm uh, uh, at John Jackson Official. Uh, Facebook is Leasing to Buy, I guess. Is, I don't, that works. I guess John, what I and know. John Jackson on Facebook. Yeah, Someone Jackson, can hit you up, Facebook, slide uh, into the DMs. Lease, leasing to Buy. Um, if you want to book a call with me to find out about what I do in real estate, see if it's a fit for what you're doing or want to do, uh, you can go to this website. It's dreampartnercall.com. My students are called my dream partners. Dreampartnercall, C-A-L-L, dreampartnercall.com. You can book a call with me, a 30-minute call with me. Let's talk about what you're going to do, where you're trying to get to. You can learn about what I do, see if it's a fit. Well, John, appreciate you being on the podcast. We'll have to pick up where we left off for another one. Talk I want about to have you back, but I also want to have your wife back, too, because I want to talk about what you guys are all doing yeah. with, uh, with different medicines and such. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to talk yeah. about that, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. It's good seeing you. All right. All right. I'm out of here. Keep Peace pushing, out. you guys. Mute this shit. Guy walks out of the front door, sees a snail on the ground, picks a snail up, throws it. Two weeks later... Walks out of the front door, looks down, sees a snail. Snail looks up and says, the fuck was that for?